Content warning on this one oh, right up top. This probably has the nastiest content warning for any movie we've covered so far. Yes. This is a movie from 1954 and is very racially insensitive. I'm going to go out on a limb as someone who watches a lot of old movies and say it is more virulently racist than you even expect a movie from the 50s to be. Yeah. It's, it's not just like casually 50s racist it's like, it's like active act actively racist for any time yeah it's pretty it's pretty terrible um pretty shitty um so we're gonna be discussing a really shitty racist movie yep. um and uh just if you don't want if you don't, if that sounds like a bad time to you then that's okay um you can skip it but i, I just, was worried it was gonna be complicated it's like so racist it's not co that it's not complicated at all it's a bummer that yeah. peter cushing is doing this yep uh, uh but everyone involved has has schmutz on their hands for oh, this. Oh, absolutely! It's it's pretty detestable. So just a just a just a warning right here. Yep. Uh, so the movie is The Black Knight, nineteen fifty four. Yeah. This is a British American co production. Yeah. Which might not be that unusual for this podcast, but feels like you can feel it. Yeah. It 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 is kind of funny. Uh, so it very, um, unusually stars Alan Ladd. <laughs> yeah, we, I got some stuff to say about that. Yeah, do you uh, want to do it now or do you want to save it? It's a great question. It's, it's, it's heavy. It'll alter your understanding of the film. Well, then maybe we should hear it so that we right have the front. context. So Alan Ladd is a somewhat successful actor at this time. Yeah, he was a, he was a Westerns guy. Not yeah. for very much longer. So at the time, he was known for Westerns, and he was known for films noir. Yes. Particularly a pretty successful series of movies he'd done with Veronica Lake. Right. Including the Blue Dahlia and the Glass Key and all these types of movies. And uh, he had just gotten into Westerns. Because film noir were starting to drop off in popularity a little bit. But it was the early 50s, and boy howdy, were Westerns were, were popping off. <laughs> and so he had also been married for a little while, and his wife was kind of managing his business affairs. Mm -hmm. She had been his agent, and then they had gotten married. Mm -hmm. And so she, they, he had just filmed the movie Shane, right. which y'all may have heard of. It's a pretty big one. But but Sue Carroll, Alan Ladd's wife, didn't think it would be a big hit and said, let's go to England and make some movies in England for tax reasons. All right. So, so they had gone to England to make some British movies to save some money. Sure. This was the last of a short misbegotten series of British films starring Alan Ladd. <laughs> Not only that... A couple other things you need to know about Alan Ladd. Yes. Other than that, he's very American. He's in the UK he's to save money. Far too American. He was also five foot six, which at the time was considered pretty short for a Hollywood leading man to be. 
Certainly. At this time, it was already standard practice that whenever you make a movie with Alan Ladd, if you're taller than him and you're sharing a scene with him, you need to stand in a trench. (laughs) Or get onto your knees. (laughs) And so that's the first thing that may alter your perspective on this movie. Mm -hmm. Whenever anyone is sharing a scene with Alan Ladd... They're down low. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Or it's not actually Alan Ladd. That's the other thing you need to know about this movie. Guess how many days of work Alan Ladd put in on the set of this film? Oh, how many? (laughs) Eleven. It's pretty convenient he wears a helmet for a sizable chunk of the movie. It's a little confusing to watch, because not only is Alan Ladd very American, not only does he have the worst haircut imaginable. Oh, it's terrible. Not only does he almost never speak, and when he does, it's in extremely short sentences. Apparently because Alan Ladd's wife, worried about how he was getting on in England, Uh hired a special dialogue writer to rewrite all of his dialogue, (laughs) and gave the instruction, keep him monosyllabic. Oh no. This is evident in the film. It really, truly is. But, every day, Alan Ladd brought with him, and sometimes the guy came alone, his stunt double, Mm -hmm. who looked almost exactly like him, Mm -hmm. even in the face. (laughs) The double did all the long shots, most of the medium shots, and even appeared in two shots when the hero had his back to the camera. I'm pretty sure that that last shot where they're making out, I think that's the double, because he's taller than her. Right, unless they've got him on a box or something. You see his feet. He's on the ground. It's not Alan Ladd. Yeah. There are some scenes in this movie where Alan Ladd is fighting somebody. Quote, big air quotes, Alan Ladd is fighting somebody. Mm -hmm. And you don't see his face. He's got the helmet on. Or it's from behind. Mm -hmm. And then they'll cut to this weird insert shot of Alan Ladd behind this really fake background. Mm -hmm. Laughing or... Yeah, saying are, something. There are a lot of really conspicuous insert shots in this movie. And most of them are of him that he filmed later when no one else was there. <laughs> this movie is absurd. The star is not in most of it. Yeah. Well, he, you know, he really... We could have stood just not to have him in any of it. Because <laughs> he's he's got the worst haircut you could imagine. I, I mean, that's not necessarily his fault, but he's just bad. He's just not right for this he's part at all. He's very miscast. And the greatest thing of all is that that might have kind of saved the movie because my hot take is that even aside like the virulent racism xenophobia christian nationalist thing this Mm -hmm. movie has going it's also just kind of a flimsy movie except for the battle scenes oh it's terrible no other actor is really doing a great job in it but but here's the thing they all got great reviews because of how bad Alan Ladd he was. He does make them all look good. And so every review of this movie from the time is just an okay movie with an awfully miscast star. Yeah. Well, and here's the here's the real fucking shame is like Peter Cushing, aside from playing a race of, that he should not yeah. be playing, he's turning in a pretty good villain performance yeah because he's peter cushing yeah, that was his whole bread and butter he's got great presence it's just that he's doing a bad accent and wearing face paint yeah uh don't do that <laughs> yeah seriously seriously i mean again there are some movies where that would be like 
the foremost sin and it would stand out. Mm-hmm. The way the character's written, the way the whole plot goes are really awful. <sighs> Bernard. Bernard. Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about Bernard. I I don't... The only other actor in the movie who I really knew anything about mm-hmm. before doing some Googling is Andre Morel. Right. Who I've seen in a number of British He's movies. He's what, Sir Onslake? He's Sir Onslake. Yeah. Uh, and he actually... Did a few other movies with Peter Cushing, interestingly oh. enough, mostly where they both play white guys as they should. Yeah, you'd hope. Uh, they were um, uh, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson in oh. a Hammer Films version of Hound of the Baskervilles. Oh, okay, yes, I knew Cushing had done that. So that's cool. Yes, so Andre Murrell was his Watson in that. I bet that's great. There's also a great British movie called Cash on Demand, where Peter Cushing is like a, a bank owner guy and andre morell is the bank robber who's putting him through his paces <laughs> so they, they worked well together in a few things they sure. don't get to in this nope they and i think don't really interact. andre morell i think of him as a pretty good actor sir onslake is kind of a doofy character like he doesn't get to do a whole lot but there's nothing wrong with the performance not at all not at all the other people like the main actress no clue who she is she's patricia not. medina yeah she's just a woman who looks vaguely like judy garland yeah there's not really <laughs> much that's that interesting she does look kind of weirdly like judy garland <laughs> um the for my money the guy who i think i had the most fun watching is the guy who plays the earl of yonil the earl of yonil yeah his voice is something else huh it's harry andrews i definitely have seen him in something else but he's just been a character actor and so much random yeah like old shakespeare and whatnot yeah Man. A lot of old British movies. But he's got a voice on him. He sure does. And he's kind of doing that like, he's like, you know, a middle-aged-ish guy, but he's trying to sound like he's about 80 years old. Yeah. He's trying to do kind of a King Lear situation, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, not a very exceptional cast. No, but... And then here's Alan Ladd making them all look... Like superstars. Yeah. Yeah, seriously, it's like seeing John Wayne try to do Hamlet. It's really not right. Because this is a man who has a face for Westerns. And a voice for Westerns. I was amazed he did so many noir films and he felt natural as like a a hard-boiled detective or something. Yeah. Because he's got kind of that squishy cowboy face. Mm -hmm. You know, his hair looks real wrong trying to do the medieval hair. Not good but he it was looks he's like sidling around he doesn't walk he sidles he never wears a fucking shirt no the whole movie i'm just yelling at him like that's a doublet you have to wear a shirt, shirt under it you don't just wear it on your skin man but but listen if they got him to show up to the set it was a win <laughs> everything else secondary if he's there and he doesn't seem shorter than everyone Call it good. <laughs> they've done, and he, and they've he doesn't done have to talk. Can. He doesn't have to talk too much. He doesn't have to talk too much. He just to stand there and look confused. He looks confused. He looks out of place. He, he looks, looks like he doesn't know why he's there. He wandered in from somewhere. Else. You know, I'll tell you. If he'd been the Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, I'd have believed it. Sure. Because he looks like one. Sure. It just would have been maybe even less charming. It's true. Than, yeah. Oh. Like, He's 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 the the opposite of charm. Yeah. In this, nothing appealing about this man, unfortunately. This was directed by Mr. Tay Garnett, who also gave us the version of Connecticut Yankee that we covered. Yeah. What I'll say about that 
is I don't think he's a bad director, necessarily. He made Postman Always Rings Twice. That's a good movie. Yeah, of course. I think I can tell that he's usually a comedy director watching this movie, and it's really strange. Mm -hmm. He can direct a battle scene fine. Yeah. Clearly, that's why they used the footage. Yes, that's the other thing. At some point, we're going to watch Siege of the Saxons. And technically, we've already watched about a quarter of it because they reused all the battle footage from this movie. I will say this. The, the, the big battle at the end, well executed. It's really the best part of the movie. I think it overstays its welcome. Oh, yeah. I was getting real weary by the end. I was like, I, all right, uh, yes, yes. And, and now and you another like, man gets hit with an arrow and another man gets hit with an arrow. <laughs> I was going to ask you a thing about that. We might as well do it now since we're talking about yeah. it. Those flaming arrows... Do flaming arrows actually fall like that, or did they just toss one up in the air to get I the don't shot? Know. Because it sure felt like they were just like, blah, blah, blah. yeah, very wobbly. I mean, it seemed like it was not going at a particularly high velocity. I suppose, I suppose, whatever it is that you put on the head of an arrow to light it, would this looked weigh like it down a huge a thing on the on the top of these arrows. Because like you can't just light a normal arrowhead. There's got to be something on the end, and yeah. so it would impact the way that it flies. I don't really know. It was just kind of funny and a little sad to see on screen. It was a rather disappointing flaming arrow. Yeah. And that was my main impression. Though, all those guys who get hit and fall off the thing. Well, this is the other thing. You can tell they're pleased with how good the battle scene came out, technically. Because they put this triumphant fanfare over the entire thing. It's and then so you get weird. these strange moments where the guys who are like King Arthur's guys. Who are dying. And they're fall. One guy falls off. Another guy falls off. Like ten different guys and fall it's off. Just this, like, and it's this triumphant music. Yeah. Like yay! All of our guys are getting killed. It's so weird. And the only thing I can think is they must have just been thinking, "Oh, this looks so convincing." Or they just had one fucking piece of music. I that they because the thing is this music this movie has so much music. Yeah. Too much music, even. It's a lot. I. Which might be a good segue to talk about the plot, because it just opens with this just, like, minstrel guy singing on his horse. Oh, what was that? Well, because this was the early 50s, and so this was a time where they thought, hey, we don't just need to start with an anonymous title card. We can actually have something happen on the screen before we see what the title is. But they hadn't quite figured out how to do it well. Figured we'd see this minstrel again, and we never do. It's just this weird little insert from before we even see the studio logos. Just telling us something about the plot, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so, and I feel like we can go over this plot pretty fast because it's just Because it's trash. Nothing. Yeah, it's awful. We got John. He's a blacksmith. And he's Very working, American blacksmith. Yeah, he's working for the Earl of Yonel. What a, what a name. Is that a guy from the myth? Yonel? Not that I know of. Okay. I don't know. I don't know about this they, Earl of Yonel. They, this has some of the funniest location place setting title cards. Like, yeah. I sometimes find those funny in Marvel movies where uh-huh. they're just like, this is... Paris and it's the <laughs> Eiffel Tower and it's like you think we don't know? Yeah. This is like the Earl of Yonel's castle and it's like sure <laughs> yeah. this means something to me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty weird. Uh so yes, he's he's working for he's an amazing swordsman. Just the best ever and he's got this really, really cool sword. And a really really irritating assistant. Yeah. This kid is turning out the performance of a lifetime, yeah. just gee willikersing all over the fucking place. He seems is he is he British or is he American? I can't know. I wouldn't. I don't. <laughs> He's such care. a golly gee kind of kid. He's so golly. Yeah. His performance is absurd. Mm-hmm. Every moment he's on screen, it's, he kind of disappears though. He does it after the 
battle. Like, the last time we see him is he's hiding in that barrel. That's right. Um, so, yeah, he's made this amazing sword as a gift for, um, for the, the Earl. For the Earl. And, because uh, it's his wedding anniversary, I guess? Uh, something's happening. A big, and it's also Pentecost. Pentecost. It's always Pentecost. We've had this conversation. And uh, he has sort of a forbidden love with the Earl's daughter, Lady Linnet. Linnet, yeah. Linnet. Sometimes they say Lynette. Sometimes they say Linnet. Yeah. It's a weird name. Uh, Patricia Medina. Um, you know, this can never be. Yeah. And he knows it. They have, like, negative chemistry. Well, because he's just such a potato. <laughs> he's such a potato. <laughs> it's like, she comes in and I'm like, oh, we're doing this. Okay. Yeah, and she's, like, trying to be all yearning and what. And, and like, he's like, no, we can't do this. And you think she'd just be like, okay. All right. <laughs> like, I got options. <laughs> right. Right. Like. But it's supposed to be this big tragic yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. He's not a knight, so yeah, they, they can they, never they be, be wed. He's just, like, a commoner. And so, um, the Earl catches them stealing a smooch. Yeah, um, and he's like, man... Listen, we're bros, so I'm not gonna, like, punish you, but you've gotta leave forever. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Low-key banishes him. <laughs> Just very kindly yeah. mm-hmm. understand... He's like, listen, dude, you can't... Yeah. You can't marry my daughter, and I gotta... You just got to leave. Yep. <laughs> right. Yep. yep. <laughs> right now. So he leaves right now. Yeah. And uh, wouldn't you know it. <laughs> right at this moment. Right at this moment, there's a terrible attack this on is the why castle. It feels like comedy to me. Yeah. Because he 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 rides away across this field. <laughs> And then all these evil guys come and ride across With the field. some really spectacular horned helmets. Yep. So you and, know. And, and then he's like, oh shit. And he rides right back. Yeah. Just in time uh, to, to see this terrible, terrible attack upon the castle at the banquet. Yep. Um, and these Viking appearing fellows. Yep. Supposedly um, they are Vikings. Raiding the castle, uh, attacking everybody. Um, the Earl's wife is killed. He gets mm-hmm. a good bonk on the head. Yep. Um, and John, like, comes and tries to help, and then just can't really, and, like, Lynette sees him, like, leave, and she's like, douchebag! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but he, we, we get a little glimpse, we, we think, why? Those, those Vikings are oddly swarthy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and he, like, chases a couple of these uh-huh. guys, um, and it's a rather long pursuit, it's about five minutes. Yeah, it's a long time. And I was just thinking, like, how often are they just going to ride back and forth? Because the good whole first act of this movie is just riding back and forth between two castles. And, like, how close is Camelot to the Earl of Yonel's castle? It's not far. Yeah, it's, it's pretty close. It's really, really close. So... <laughs> just long enough to slow the movie down. Yes, just just to make it a little bit interminable. Yeah. Um, John follows these... Raiders back to Camelot, and we find out that these are not, in fact, Viking raiders. This Heaven forfend, they're Saracens. Saracens, yes, namely, um, Sir Palamedes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Peter Cushing and his manservant Bernard. Bernard. <laughs> now it's Pentecost, and yeah. King Arthur is knighting a young man. <laughs> yeah, just totally nondescript young knight. Yeah, I. There's no round table visible in this film. There's no round table. They talk about it. 
They say a night of the round table. Right, because that's what they are. But there's like, no round there's table. There's no table. No table yeah. will be appearing in this film. Yeah, um, sad. Also, no, none of those iconic knights that you might have heard of, like Lancelot or no. Gawain. The only one is Sir Palamedes. Yeah, who is a real one? Yes, he is a real one, and I'm pretty sure it's more accurately pronounced Palamedes. But they're yeah. calling him Sir Palamedes. Yes. Um, and he's got a scheme. now. Here, there is another figure that we know. Because yeah. he's having a scheme with King Mark. King Mark. Cornwall. And King Mark is, in fact, played by the other notable actor in the movie, though I didn't recognize him, Patrick Troughton, mm. who was the second doctor in 60s Doctor Who. Yeah, he's doing something. Yeah, uh, he's, he's, he's <laughs> hamming it up. He's, uh, well, we don't know this yet. Yes. We don't know his so, deal. So he just a, seems villainous. Here's the thing I fucking love. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, how John fucking gets it into the castle. He, like yep. the drawbridge is raising and he just rides up, leaps off of his horse, horse yeah. onto the raising drawbridge, yeah, yeah. slides down as it's closing, and then is immediately accosted by guards. Of course he is. But then they drag him off into some shadowy corner. He escapes. And he, yeah, he like beats him up and escapes and runs for the great hall, finds his way into this upper balcony. Yeah, he like climbs up this convenient thing. In the middle of everything. Well, and what I love is there's this weird, dumb little bit where the great abbot or whoever he is. Fucking archbishop or whoever He's like, the feast of Pentecost cannot begin until there's some... Some some shit goes down. Some strange adventure occurs. And they're just all sitting, twiddling their thumbs hungry. But I was hungry. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like the strange comedy bit. Yeah. Well, and it's like, that's that's a recurring thing in Arthurian legend of like... Uh, before we feast, I must hear a great tale. Yeah. You know, something like that. Like, sure. that'll happen. That's, you know, yeah. start going to the Green Knight. Like, yeah. But but it's just this religious man and everyone like, no, else. No, no, no. We can't, we can't eat yet. It's Pentecost. We have, there are certain particular Pentecost traditions, <laughs> right. which we will mention as they have become relevant. Uh, <laughs> but what I love is that no feasting ever does occur. They don't get to feast. So John gets up onto this balcony. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. swings down on a rope. Everyone's like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. He leaps over the table at yeah. Palamedes with yeah. his fucking fist. Yeah. Just takes him down. A fight breaks out. Sir Ons, like his friend. Yeah. John's friend. Who got there so fast? So fast that I assumed he was a secret villain for a little while. He's just conveniently there, yeah. and he breaks up the fight. And Arthur's like. Who's this motherfucker? Take him away. Yeah. And on like, like, wait, 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 wait. It's Pentecost. Uh, he, you, he can ask you for anything. Uh, grant him a boon. A boon. And so he's like, give me some time to prove that this guy is a criminal. And also give me a horse. A horse. Yeah. What I think is... So, something we should say. Yeah. Sir Onslake is just like John's knight friend. Yeah. Who's like, chase your dreams. Do what you want to do. Sir Onslake yeah. is also super racist. Yes. Because he's always like, those Saracens. Oh, I don't Sarah. like the look of them. I don't like the cut of their jib. Yeah. And I feel like this movie really is just John and, and Onslake being like, well, but he's... he's But he's brown. Yeah. And King Arthur's just like, don't be racist. <laughs> and so John's like, give me three months to oh. prove that in this case, my racism is justified. <laughs> yep. That's the movie. Uh, so Arthur grants him three months to crack the case. <laughs> It doesn't really ever come back or continue to be a thing, that three-month thing. Yeah. It's so... But this movie's flubbing everything it's putting down, frankly, at this point. So, after this all resolves, we get this scheming conversation between Palamedes and King Mark of Cornwall. Yeah, because everyone else has to go off to the 
they have to run back to Yonil Castle because, to see if it's really been destroyed. Yes. They take the big swan and the big peacock away. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, no feast tonight. <laughs> and these two scheming bad guys do some scheming. Yep. Um, and yeah, it turns out they're bad guys because neither of them is Christian. Christian. We've got a pagan and a Saracen on our hands. And that's an interesting thing we'll talk about later. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got a sense of the vibe, but... So... Yeah, basically they're just like, we're gonna attack Camelot together and then rule it or something. They they talk a little bit later about what maybe their their arrangement may be. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me that they have some kind of conflict that seems only engineered to reflect worse on their respective cultures. Yeah, I know. You know, that's the movie. Yep. Uh, yeah, like, fucking... King Mark has, like, f- faked his own baptism? Well, they're just, like, even you, you know, Peter Cushing is like, even you were baptized, and, and Mark was like, I, I... Not for real, though. Yeah, exactly, as you it. know. Yeah. <laughs> Only to deceive the king. Yeah, I'm yeah. still a pagan, through yeah. and through. Uh, so they've got this scheme. There's this weird, slightly, like, homoerotic moment between them. <laughs> yeah. Which is probably just meant to make them seem even more evil. Yes, it's it's it was an odd vibe. Yeah, my so, thing is like there's so, every other word these villains are mentioning is about Christianity. It's it's pretty. And I was like, yeah, it kind of reminds me of like a pure flicks movie, like that kind of you know, like oh the evil non Christians are really have it out for these Christians. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> and in the 50s that was just what everybody felt like i'm i yeah but i feel like this is like more insistent than you expect it is that's the whole movie because uh, you think like you know every, i don't know who was who was disagreeing that they had to get clapped back against that heart you know what i'm saying who's to say uh. But you know. So yeah, the, the 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 Vikings are actually Cornishmen, yeah. being led by the Saracens, and uh, so now John finds himself in this position where he's got to like hack it at Camelot. He's he's getting made fun of, and mm-hmm. they give him a bad horse, and <laughs> yeah, and so Saron's like, like, listen, man, I'll train you. You need to learn how to fight. Right. And there's a f- training montage where John learns how to be a very good knight. This training montage is where those really funny insert shots are. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, Saron's like, and a guy who clearly is not Alan Ladd are fighting. And then like, you know, first Saron's like wins. Mm-hmm. And then there's this cut to John and he's like, oh man. I'm not a good fighter yet. And then later there's an even, there's a, the dumbest cut in the whole movie to this terrible shot of him be like, oh, yay, I won. <laughs> it's not a good movie. Nope. So, yeah, he becomes a good fighter, and yep. he's and um, he's like, great, now can I beat Palamides? And Onslaught's like, please do not fight Palamides. Like, we, right. we're not ready yet. We gotta fucking prove some shit. Yeah. You can't just fight this guy. Like, we're never gonna get justice if you just go and try to fight him. So go fight everyone else. Go just and so <laughs> just start he, fighting some people. Just go out into the world and you'll just find some knights to fight. I promise. It's like Pokemon out there. You just walk around and well, someone will run up and, to you and joust you. Because he's like, oh, your suit of armor will see to that. And he's made this funky black knight suit of this, armor for himself, which is mostly white. Yeah. He, this man never wears sleeves and it just seems nope. ill-advised. Nope. 
this is so funny thing that movie siege of the saxons Mm -hmm. that reused all the battle footage from this movie there's a quote-unquote black knight character in that film and they had to have him go around sleeveless too so that the footage would match (laughs) just because alan ladd wouldn't wear fucking sleeves exactly apparently this whole thing with uh sir onslaught giving john his horse Mm -hmm. is also because alan ladd's wife had a stipulation that alan ladd could not be seen stealing or borrowing a horse the horse had to be gifted to him explicitly is this some kind of weird cowboy honor? Yes. <laughs> exactly that. Because she read the script and she was like, he can't take someone else's horse. That's stealing. Stealing is wrong. Alan Ladd doesn't steal horses. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, he's just borrowing Sir Onslake's horse. Sir Onslake is his friend. And she's like, Americans won't know the difference. What? <laughs> that is wild. <laughs> that That's the craziest anecdote I have for you that's... about alan ladd and his wife bonkers he okay. had to be gifted the horse all right well that it was very nice of surrounds like <laughs> uh yeah so he goes around and kicks some asses and yeah. earns some renown in, in as his alter ego the black knight yeah and king arthur's kind of like oh who's this who's interesting this guy and peter cushing is like he's evil uh, he's, don't like him he's sneaky and yeah. secretive don't look at me though right uh so the there's a new monastery that's opened <laughs> yeah they have to like christen it or whatever. yeah big grand opening yeah for the monastery and um the 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 abbot's like gee all i need now is a new cross i just can't seem to get one <laughs> like, <laughs> like man can't, can't find a cross find a maker cr- in this kingdom um and so john goes back to the earl this of Yonel's so castle. much of the movie yeah. The Earl of Yonel has lost his memory. Yeah, he's like he's gone kind of, mad yeah. slightly. Um, they have a big long conversation. Yes. Full of regrets. Yeah, we're, and John has gone back to like get this crucifix this really in the tiny orange. little. It's yeah. rather small. Not what I was expecting. Um, and yeah, he like has this conversation. The Earl of Yonel yep. is like senile. And, and he's like, I knew a young man like, like you once. Yeah. And he's like, that's me, sir. And he's like, he did look an awful lot <laughs> like you. He goes on for a while. <laughs> a long time. And then Lynnet shows up and she's just like, I don't want to talk with you. You're a coward. Yes, because you're keeping your renown secret. Right. For reasons. Right. Uh, so that we can have a complicated relationship. And it's I not can... really emphasized, though, at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so he, yeah, he goes back and he gets this fucking crazy yeah. mix. It's, that's, um, that's like 10 minutes of the movie. And at the, at the, the opening of the, the monastery. grand opening of the monastery. <laughs> um, of course, some Vikings show up and raid. Yeah. Some mm-hmm. Vikings. Vikings. Um, and they take some of the, the monks and Lady Linnet to Stonehenge for human sacrifice. Yeah. This pagan ritual scene is something else <laughs> this is but this is how like you know anytime this is the other thing that made me think of like modern low budget christian movies yeah like a god's not dead or what have mm-hmm. you whenever movies like that have to show any kind of like non-christian debauched behavior mm-hmm. it's, it's always the most hilarious thing you've just these ever women seen just kind of like dancing around gyrating like, a little bit <laughs> yeah nothing really all that salacious is no, occurring they're just having a party 
There are monks in these hanging cages. Over some bonfires. There's a man standing on top of Stonehenge just screaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just screaming. Ah! (laughs) You've got to love as well the big title card that tells you this is Stonehenge. We know, man. They said it was going to be Stonehenge. Stonehenge. And that's clearly Stonehenge. And so, like, also, though, they, they, like, yeah, they've 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 executed some monks via medieval firing squad. When they take Linnet in and like prepare her as a sacrifice, and they, they like, have to give her a blonde, blonde wig. wig. Why? That sequence is like the silliest because they like take her into this underground thing, and it's like edited very quickly for some reason with all these like whip pans and stuff. There's just like creepy guys, creepy ladies and down there. And there's like all these wigs on skulls. Wigs on skulls. And I'm like, where did they get all these wigs? You know, like, <laughs> why do they have, why all, they these have all these wigs? And it's just like, the prophecy calls for a flaxen haired maiden. Yeah, so they put her blonde, a blonde wig on her. wig and she's ready to be sacrificed. No clue why this is a thing. Wish I knew. I cannot imagine. Wish I knew. It doesn't come up. It has nothing to do with anything. They just put a blonde wig on her to sacrifice her. So, so we have this quite lengthy Stonehenge. Ah! <laughs> a lot of that. Just this guy just screaming up there. No clue. Is this like their priest or something? I assume so. I don't know. Just screaming. But anyway, John shows up as the Black Knight and yeah. kicks some ass and they cut the, the monk's cages down and they just fall in the fire. <laughs> the fires. I was very confused about that. I was really quite And concerned. what I love as well is that there's the screaming pagan priest guy <laughs> up on the up on top of Stonehenge. And he's just like screaming. And then he gets hit by an arrow and he screams some more <laughs> before he falls down. It's really quite a scene. Um, and then the reinforcements show up. And they just like, they try to do this whole like weird origin of why Stonehenge is this way now. But they're just tearing it down yeah, fully. Fully. And I'm like, so... They like, only get halfway and then decide, good enough, let's go home. Like, <laughs> I don't know. We don't see the end result. No, we don't. But it kind of seems like they're just tearing the whole thing down. And so it's like... Are we supposed to imagine the Stonehenge doesn't exist anymore? anymore? I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. Or is weird. that just how far they got? And and like, the Black Knight takes Linnet to safety. And I thought they'd have some sort of, you know, oh, who are you type of... Se- no. No, she's just like, well, thanks, bye. bye. There's, it's nothing. It's nothing at I all. I thought it would be a whole, like, Spider-Man upside-down kiss thing. Yeah, like, but no, don't know we who don't it even is. get that. We, we never know whether she always knew, I think. She pretty clearly doesn't, because once she realizes it's That's him, then right. she's like, oh, you're not a coward. That's I love right, you yeah, again. yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's just they don't do enough with, they, there could have been tension there. Yeah, there they, just do, they do yeah. very little with it. Yeah, he just, like, drops her off and then goes away. Yada yada yada. Palamides is like, we gotta get this Black Knight because he's fucking our whole situation up. I'll trick Lady Linnet to come to my castle and then he'll come to rescue her. This is where the movie started to feel like the longest 85 minute movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Um. So he's like, you tell me what you know of the Black Knight. And she's mm-hmm. like, I literally don't know. Yeah. It's like, he just saved me one time. Like, we didn't even have a conversation. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> I literally, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I was on his horse and then yep. he, l- he left. I don't know. Um, and she's like, so you have my dad here or something? And he's like, you'll see your dad and He eventually. just, like, drops her off on this bed, though. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So, um, John, yeah, shows up, saves her in disguise, but, um... It's kind of really, like... Oh, well, we're doing this again. Yeah. 
he ends up dropping his shield. Yeah. Um, he leaves his shield behind. And, uh, Saran's like, like, we gotta get proof about Mm. this, this scheme. We gotta, we can't, we can't just accuse Palamedes of this shit. We need to, we need to go and and find some kind of proof so that we can... Be racist with justification. Yeah. And so he sneaks into... Our good old friend... The secret tunnel. The secret tunnel in Mark's castle. This is the first time it isn't for fucking. Who knows? I mean, that's fair <laughs> Here's enough. Here's the thing. It was already there. What I love is that the guy who shows him the secret tunnel, and I thought the scene was really hilarious because he's like, he just put it in in case he ever has to run for it. I've seen him use it all the time. <laughs> what? Well, and then he goes down into this tunnel. Yeah. So yeah, this is just some woodcarver that's like, yeah, I'll mm-hmm. show you where the tunnel is. Yeah. And I, I just love that, again, this random guy is just like, I've seen King Mark use this tunnel every day. You know? it's like, <laughs> like, why, why is he sneaking out all the time? What's he doing? Yeah. No idea why he's escaping through his tunnel. And then, yeah. and then John goes through it and it's like really, because sp- he's it's, like, it's like Mark had the man who dug it swear to secrecy and then, and then he, he killed, killed him. him. Yeah. And then go down and it's like, elaborate like this is not like a tunnel a guy dug this is like a whole (laughs) fucking set like yeah it's like it's like underground storage there's fucking barrels down there why are there barrels down there because this movie had a budget and they need to show you all the time whether it makes sense everything has to be huge why are there barrels in the secret tunnel did mark put them down there what's in them (laughs) (laughs) this doesn't make any sense no um no so, yeah, John fucking pops up and surprises Mark and is like, oh, yeah, we get this scene with, like, Palamides and Palamides yeah. and Mark having a little spat. Um, well, but then they also have this, like, funny map so that funny he sees. Map. Like, why did you need to illustrate this? It's just like, Camelot's here in the middle, and the Cornish the men will come from the, the north, and the, and the Saracens, Saracens will come from the sea, and it's like, you didn't need to illustrate it. And I lo- it's very, it's like, labeled, labeled. Cornish men, Saracens, it's Camelot. Not and I was like, think about how many it. hours it took for to someone to illustrate this. This is an illuminated... The simplest battle plan Ever. You guys come from up there. We'll come from down here. We'll, we'll meet in the it. middle where Camelot is. You do not need to draw it. No. This is and great it's so, proof. It's so ornate as well. It's so ornate. And this is exactly what John's looking for. Yeah. So <laughs> he fucking threatens Mark. Does that happen yet or does he come back and do that later? I'm pretty sure. I mean, that's why he... Uh, Who knows okay, when so things he, happen he, in this movie? Yeah... So, he, yeah, no, there's a whole sequence where, like, John gets, like, sent to prison. I guess there is. I don't... This is where I got really bored, I have to say. <laughs> but, but, um, John shows up because Palamides goes to, he, goes to Camelot and says, oh, the Black Knight is behind the whole thing. Right. And then the Black Knight shows up. And John's like, it's me. I'm the Black Knight. Yeah. And then he gets sent to prison and, but immediately surrounds like, and Linnet come and bust him out. out. Yeah. Cause she's like, ah, oh, you're actually the Black Knight. Now I admire and, you again. And there's like this sequence where, you know, John escapes and then Onslake is like, yeah, I'll stake my life on the fact that John is right. That's right. That's right. And he says to King Arthur, like, 
you always held my life in your hands anyway. Yeah. And Arthur's like, well, that's true. (laughs) Fair enough. Really one of the most boring King Arthurs we've seen yet. He's a zilch of an Arthur. He didn't even have to be King Arthur. He could be any old king. He's just King Arthur. Yes. Okay, so then John goes back to Mark's castle. There's so much traversing between castles. So much just riding of horses. Uh, yeah, so he, like, traps the Cornishmen, he, like, yep. locks them in. Yeah, that's, this was the dumbest scene yeah. as well. He, like, gets, and frankly, frankly, King Mark, not the sharpest tool in the shed. No, but nev- because, what was he ever? <laughs> but I love it because he's got his secret tunnel. Uh-huh. And theoretically, the one guy who somehow built it for him has been killed. Yes. But this other guy, this other random guy, this sees wood, him wood use it all the time. Barber, yeah. And the... Where does the tunnel come out? Right behind the throne. The perfect place to if sn- you wanted to sneak up and stick a knife in somebody's back. Yep. Which is exactly what John does. Yes, and he's... gets him out of the castle, and all these guys try to follow him, but they all get stuck in. in the castle. Yeah. So, yeah. He Somehow. He kidnaps Mark, um, and then it's time for the big attack. Oh, it goes on forever, doesn't forever. it? Forever. The Saracens show up at the beach, um, and they, like, have their fucking, like, little yeah. signal thing, and then... Well, and, like, like um, uh, Onslake signals instead of the Cornishmen, mm-hmm. so that they can rush in and have their big fight. We did skip over the really, really bad Bernard scene. Yes, when does it happen? That's when John shows up to rescue Linnet from yeah. Palamedes' castle. No, is it? Is because that when it happens? Because Palamedes is like, you tell me about the Black Knight. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I literally right. don't know anything. And then Palamedes is like, maybe you can get her to talk, yeah. Bernard. And so then Bernard gets all rapey about he it. He gets really rapey about it. And it goes on for a long time. And it sucks yeah. a lot. What I think is the... but. But Bernard, uh, he does get away that time. He does get away. Linnet kind of slashes him. Yeah. Um, and then the Black Knight busts in. And... Is this is when he punches him in the face. Yeah. I did think that was hilarious. He just knocks him out well, and because, rescues Linnet. Because it's because like Bernard is like, you, the Black Knight? <laughs> Sock. Sock. Yeah. It's the only time when Alan Ladd feels like he's able to do the thing he wants to do in the film. <laughs> Yeah, just you get the sense that this is actually how he solves his problems. Yeah, even though it's probably not even Alan Ladd delivering the punch because you don't see his face. Probably not. (laughs) Stunt man. Uh, So yeah, it's a bad, bad scene that I hated. Yeah, it's gross and racist again. It's super, super bad. Uh, Extra double bad. uh, Bernard's demise happens in this part of the movie we're talking about now. That's a good stunt, I will say. It is interesting because. He goes into like this bedchamber, uh-huh. thinking that he's gonna stab, stab Arthur. Arthur. He's going to assassinate Arthur. Stabs the man in bed, and it turns, turns out, out to be King it's Mark. Mark, which is like okay, that's clever. Yeah, that's a clever twist. Gagged. And then Arthur and his guys bust in, like yeah. get him now. Mm-hmm. And he runs and runs and runs. And John chases him down, and they run out to the battlements. And then Bernard just falls off them. Well, because. John has this weird kind of, it seems like his signature move, uh-huh. where he just, like, waits for some guys to start going up the stairs, and he just, like, kicks the guy in front so they all fall down. He does a lot of kicking of men. And it, the, I thought it was strange, because you'd think that's a pretty good stunt to show for a minute, because, like, they're doing it for real. 
why not show it from an angle where it's satisfying? Mm -hmm. And they never, ever do. It's always from like this dumb angle where you can't even tell that the guy in front bumped into another guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not a well shot film. I realize that this is because it's not Alan Ladd doing the kicking and... So you can't, you, yeah. Yeah. But that's basically what he, he just knocks he, yeah, Bernard he, off the uh, stairs. And, but it's a good step because you see this really, really long shot of this man falling really a, far. There's a lot of falling off of parapets and stairways and things in this film. Yeah, these are some pretty okay stunts. Good, like, good that's British stuntmen who fall off of things. Serious fall. Yeah, that's like the biggest one in the movie. It's pretty impressive. Um, so there's yeah. these guys who have to get hit by an arrow and then fall off the... So many cushions in coats uh, yeah yeah i was kind of impressed yeah lots and lots of men falling off of parapets it's yeah. a good kind of like stunt man demo reel movie uh -huh. it's just that we see the same one over and over and over oh yeah it's like all right yes and then he falls off and he falls in it's, it's, another arrow it's and another arrow terminable but it is kind of a relief to not have to put up with the narrative of the film for a little while so <laughs> having trapped the cornishman They've devised a little tricksy scheme where the Saracens show up, they shoot off their little fire arrow yeah. as, a, as their signal, and then they're like, now we'll shoot an arrow in order to trick them into thinking we're the Cornishmen. Yep. And the, the Arthur's Knights, you know, take them by surprise, and they have mm. a big, big fight outside Camelot. It goes on forever. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Get that triumphant music that doesn't fit some of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then John fights Palamedes and defeats him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's whatever. It, like, we knew what was going to happen, and then, ta-da, we've won the day. And as a reward, John's like, I want to marry Linnet. And Arthur's like, you you want to marry him? And Linnet's like, I do. And then they have a big kiss. Yep. The, the end. end. Thank goodness bad movie it's a bad movie uh unfortunately pretty good hats though good hats lots of yeah. hats that parade of men in their hats <laughs> that parade of hats is something else yes. i tell you what that was the delight of the film yes these crazy these crazy boys in their crazy helmets they got these <laughs> things on their heads like i've never seen before there's one with like a dog head yep. on top mm -hmm. there's like just like a guy like a head on top of his head yep. mm -hmm. there's some crazy crazy helmets it's true fact i love it <laughs> and lots of ladies in their big big pointy princess of hats. course of course you need some of that. Yeah, gotta have those pointy, pointy Burgundian hats. <laughs> uh, this movie <sighs> sucks. Yeah, seriously. Really? It's 85 minutes. It feels like an eternity. Yeah. The, the only thing saving it is its own ineptitude. Like, if these people had been adept filmmakers, it would have felt even worse. Right. At least you can, like, laugh at it. Exactly. Like, it's kind of funny bad enough to not feel Miserable? totally, totally despicable all the time, just some of the time. Yeah. Because it has this whole, like, oh, heaven forfend the, the poor Christians, they're secretly being invaded by brown people. By, yes. Yeah, and pagans. And yeah. we didn't even talk about how Bernard is pretending to be a mute. Yes! That's the whole evidence, because... Because um, Bernard has killed the the the, the, the lady Yonil, yeah, and and uh, uh, John says, "Oh, I saw him laughing over her corpse." And Peter Cushing is like, "Bernard never laughs; he's mute." <laughs> and they're like, "It's true." <laughs> we have. He's like, is, "Have any of you heard him speak in the last year?" No. no. <laughs> yeah. 
so bizarre. It's super fucking weird. Uh, yeah. So, okay, here's the thing. So. Tell me the thing. As we have mentioned, Sir Palamides, yeah. he is a figure within um, Arthurian legend, and I think he's... I mean, he's very obviously the most relevant person to talk about because yes. we've we've heard already the story of King Mark. Yeah, you know Tristan and his old. Yep. Um, and that's so. Palamides is really the only relevant new thing. Sir Onslake isn't Sir a feature. Ons- I don't know. I I know of no Sir Onslake. <laughs> I don't know uh, <laughs> the Earl of Yonel. Yeah. I don't know any of this. No, no Bernard. No Bernard. But there is a Palamides. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Interestingly, it wasn't just, like, it, it was appropriate to pair up Sir Palamides and King Mark. Okay. That's a thing. I was confused about that in the film. They don't contextualize it. They don't. Um, and, of course, what they're doing here in this movie is nothing. It's There's nothing. There's it's This is whole cloth. Yeah. Um, king Mark is an ally to King Arthur. Um, sure, he's that's just what I thought. The king of Cornwall, and yeah. he's a vassal of King Arthur, and it's, you know, they're 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 chill. Yeah. Um, this is of course the famous cockled king who yeah. is the husband of is old. Uh, but the fun thing is, Palamides is first um, introduced to the legend in the prose Tristan. Oh, he. Also is in love with his old. Oh. Yeah. So we have this kind of weird, like, extra double forbidden romance. Because it's also an interracial romance. Well, here's the thing. That's not so much the problem. Uh-huh. It's just that Tristan is the correct lover. Oh. Palamides is always second fiddle to Tristan. He, he, they're kind of rivals. But I was just curious because I thought, I was wondering whether maybe probably the original text is perhaps less virulently racist than this movie is. It very much is. So here's the thing. Progress ain't linear, folks. Well, okay, so there's, 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 um, there's a couple of interesting things. First of all. So, Palamides is called a Saracen. Yeah. And... I was looking up that term. It's not... Especially when you get into, like, Mallory, Mm -hmm. the term is very loosely used. It's very general. Sometimes Saracen is just synonymous with pagan. Right. Or Muslim. Well, or Muslim. But here's the thing. At that time, a, a lot of Europeans would not be familiar with the terms Muslim or yeah, Islam. I was reading that. They, they wouldn't have been aware of those terms. So they called them Saracens, but, you know, they could also just call them pagans. Saracen right. could just mean a non-Christian person. A, or maybe someone from a certain part of the world. Maybe someone from a certain part of the world, but it's not a really specific term. And so it's not maybe an inherently racial term. It's more of a cultural one. Yes. Now yeah. here's the thing. Xenophobia absolutely was yeah. rampant. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, all this is just to say, you know, Palamides is generally understood to be, uh, you know, an Islamic person. Right. But it's not explicit. Sure. Um, point is, he's not English. He's not Christian. Right. Um, though he is in his 
apart. Uh, That's the other interesting sure. thing about Palamides. So he comes and you know he's he's a he's extremely honorable. He's he's yeah. a, he's the the trouble is he's just always second fiddle to Tristan. He just can't ever quite beat Tristan. Mm-hmm. He can he can't ever quite win uh Isolde's love. Of course he could never could because it's a whole love potion thing. Oh, that's right. Um and he you know he they they he is like asked if he is um uh, like if whether or not he's a christian and he mm-hmm. says that he is in his heart and um, they're like great awesome would you like to be baptized and he's like i'm going to do some quests first i have to do like Interesting. i can't remember well, okay how many is it that he says he's got to do um he needs to do like 12 quests or something um, it's really very strange. Um, but mm-hmm. he's basically, he has to go and do some great deeds before he feels like he gets to be baptized. Sure. But this is like fully Palamity's choice. Yeah. He's like, no, I, I'm not ready yet. Sure. Um, and so he's just like a knight of the round table. Um, pretty fucking honorable. After Pelinor's death, he mm-hmm. picks up the quest to find the questing beast. Oh, wow. He also does not succeed at this basically palamides is the story of a guy who just doesn't quite make it ever you know he's just never quite wins his old he's never quite beats tristan he never catches the questing beast he's just not quite there man uh he interestingly enough in the um arthurian captain america civil war mm-hmm. he's on the side of lancelot uh interesting who yes. doesn't appear in this film he doesn't appear in this film but in the big schism yeah, uh, between he, arthur and lancelot, lancelot he side. fights on lancelot's side That's because interesting. um so essentially it's sort of like as we've talked about before gawain is the one who sort of like bullies arthur right um because um Lancelot kills Gareth and Gaharis, his mm-hmm. brothers, mm-hmm. um, because of all this shit that Mordred orchestrated. Yeah. Um, his other brother. And so it's like this weird sort of like clannishness that is that like Arthur is being pushed to participate in. Sure. When like really it's like maybe the sort of knightly thing to do is mm-hmm. not that. And so Palamides sort of sides with the more sort of chivalric Sure. Choice. Yeah. In, and it's not that he's like an enemy of Arthur, but he just kind of has to pick Lancelot as a matter of honor. Makes sense. Um, and eventually, it's, okay. So it, it's it's quite complicated because of the whole situation being complicated. So, <laughs> um, Mordred incites King Mark mm. to kill Tristan. This okay, that, that, that time. makes sense. Now, because of this, uh, Palamides kills King Mark. Oh. Because Tristan's his buddy. They're rivals, but they're also best friends. Buds. <laughs> and, and so Palamides would kill for him even though he's always second best. Yes. Wow. Yeah, they're like rivals, but so here's the thing. He's like, he. they're rivals, but... But because of that, Palamides respects Tristan very much. It's like, Tristan is the knight that Palamides aspires to be. Sure, sure. And so he actually kills King Mark. Wow. For Tristan. Or to save Tristan. Yeah. Well, not to save him. He's already dead. As as sort of in in repayment. In in recompense. Mm -hmm. uh, As part of the whole 
Captain America Civil War situation. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yes. Of, yes. Yeah. Um, you know... It, it's much more interesting than anything going on so in this So much movie. more interesting. So... You know, it's got its own issues, but it's a lot more nuanced and interesting than... Ooh. He's just like this evil... Like yeah, in, nobody. It's, it's not a problem for anybody that Palamides is a Saracen, theoretically, however, yeah, yeah, Saracen, a theoretically, you know, Middle Eastern yeah. Muslim person, formerly Muslim person. Yeah. Like it's not. It's not much of a thing. In he's the like he's a good knight. Sure. And that's what's important. Why this? So this movie it's kind of sucks that this movie goes and turns it they, into what they turn it into. They're just like. Hmm, one non-white character in this whole goddamn story he's the bad guy and he's like again he's like leading this like secret invasion Mm -hmm. which is really like xenophobic and bad in a particular it feels like particularly british in its xenophobia Mm -hmm. really yeah well and it's so funny too that they just decide to like lump king mark in this and make him a pagan yeah and there's like this strange conflict where king mark is like and then everyone will be pagans and yeah we'll get rid of this christianity and 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 palamedes is like i don't know how my saracens will feel about having to become pagans it's just like one weird conversation in the movie yeah just like what what's happening what's your stupid and i was kind of like Why'd you pair these characters together then? Mm-hmm. What's the motivation other than they're the two characters who aren't Christians and therefore they're evil? Yes, of course they've just made this up about Mark, Mark being they've, a pagan. Wow, well, they have made it up about Palamedes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What I want to know is 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 King Mark's secret tunnel canonical? That's a good question. Because it shows up in this, and it shows up in Tristan and Isolde. You know, it's been... Is that a weird coincidence? Is it just a convenient... Because it showed up in some other movie that wasn't even about Tristan and Isolde. I don't recall... It's been such a long time. I I don't know if it shows up in Prose Tristan. Uh, It just seems like such a funny coincidence, if not. Mm -hmm. That King Mark would be the guy. Well, castles are known for secret passages. Secret passages. Yeah. Yeah. But... This one seems confusing for a number of reasons. It's a rather bizarre secret passage. <laughs> uh, everything about it is bizarre. Everything about this movie is bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I wish that um, Sir Palamides would get more attention. Yes. He's an interesting figure. Yeah. Uh, and he just doesn't really get to show up. Yeah. For whatever reason. Um, probably, except, probably racism. Yeah, he only gets to show up as a bad guy, and that's yeah, pretty crappy. Sad. Yeah. Not a whole lot really else to say, because, yeah. you know, it's like, that's kind of long and short with Palamides. He's not, like, a hugely right. central figure, but, like, he, you know, he's party to a lot of the important stuff. Sure. Yeah, he's he seems involved. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Boo. Yeah. And no one else from this movie is really. Yeah, like thing. I said, we got King Mark, and we've talked about him. Yeah, you know, basically he's just a, he's just a sad little cuckold. Yeah, and that's all there is to say about yeah. Mark. Yeah, I liked uh, the previous version of him that we saw. Yeah, that was a much better one. Yeah, because that was Rufus Sewell. Rufus Sewell. Yeah, exactly. Rufus Sewell, and I liked that better. He seemed like a really good guy. <laughs> yep. Yep. Feel real bad he was, for him. He was sweet. <laughs> 
had for him. Not this I, one, though. I kind of liked him the most of anyone in that movie, and this oh. one, not so much. No, 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 not much to like. No. Yeah, there's not, not much to say about this fucking movie. It, yeah. I mean, it, fe- it did, and I don't think it was just Alan Ladd's presence. It felt like a cowboy movie. Like It did. It, it did. It was a very 50s, very cowboyish kind of Well, and of it's a, a very movie. American director as well. Mm-hmm. It's funny, because you can tell, like, the director and the star are very American, but most of the crew had to be British. Like, it was filmed in the UK. Mm-hmm. And it has that kind of, like, slightly spicier feeling in the technicals a little bit. Sure. Maybe just because it has a budget and, like, people are actually getting hit with the arrows and whatnot. The scene when that archer tries to assassinate Arthur and does a really oh, bad job so, of it. It's so sad it's and flimsy. It's the silliest thing I've ever well, that's the thing is, like, there's a few shots and things, you know, the hats are well constructed, as you say. And <laughs> some things that make you think, like, some craft below the line went into this film. The sets are fine. The castles look pretty good in the establishing shots. You yeah. can tell they've been, like, composited on, but they look good. Yeah, they look like castles. And then there's some things that are just so, like, silly and flaccid and sad in the movie. <laughs> Right? Like, yeah. Seriously. Like, there's a guy just up up in Battlements and he shoots an arrow in the direction of Arthur. <laughs> misses, misses wildly. A fucking mile. And, and, and Arthur's like, just like, uh, get that guy. <laughs> yeah, bring that guy. <laughs> it's so it's, stupid. It's so and then Palamides is, Palamides is like, can I walk you to the gate, King Mark? Like, it's, King Mark is like, oh, yes. Thank <laughs> Let's <you>. go. <laughs> it's so dumb. It's so dumb. It, it it's a confusing movie to watch. Yeah. It it's it's giving you a lot to process and also nothing at all. It's kind of bland as well, it's, given all of that. Yeah. Well, when your lead is a potato. Yeah. It, it'll it'll take the air out of it, and he's not even there for most of it. Mostly, it's just a guy, the stunt double. Ugh. It's just the back of his head. We see more of the back of his head than we do his face. And it's a bad back of his head because he's got a really dumb hairdo. Yeah. I feel bad for the stuntman having to deal with that hairdo. Yeah, I mean, it was probably a wig. I hope so. Yeah, it was because you can actually see the the gum. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least I I spotted it in some of the rare close-ups that we get of Alan Ladd. You can see... See the wig line? You can see the wig line. It's pretty bad. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, don't see this one. Don't watch no, it. There's no good reason. No. It, it, I had to pay money to watch this fucking Same. movie. Same. We pay- rented it for you. <laughs> don't watch it. We watched it's it cheap. so you don't have to. Yes. Don't give money to whoever makes money when we rent this movie. Yeah. Honestly, just don't waste your money. No, like, seriously. It's not good. It's just racist. It's not. There's nothing to recommend about this film other yeah. than the hats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <sighs> All right, Leonora, we're done talking about this bad movie. Tell me what we're doing next. Next, we're watching a weird movie. Yeah. Hopefully it'll be better. It's got Probably it will be. This is 1978's Percival, also known as Percival Le Galois. Yeah. Directed by Eric Romer. It's French. Oh, boy. It's 140 minutes long. Oh, boy. It has these funky-looking cardboard sets Mm -hmm. that look like a school's fourth grade production of Arthurian legend. Well, we'll just it, have to see. It'll be our first uh, look at Percival. Yes, Percival. I'm excited. I don't know much about Percival. Well, we'll learn about him. We'll learn Next about time. 
This movie has much better uh, average ratings on the internet it has than to. The Black Knight. It has to. It's it's got to be better. Anything would be better. Everything only would be uphill, better. only uh, up up from here. Yeah, there's there's nowhere to go but up. Yes, let's let's do that. All right, everybody. Until then, <laughs> we love you. Stay safe. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this film broads production. Subscribe and review wherever you listen to podcasts, and talk to us on Twitter at Film Broads Pod. Our theme music is Holding Out for a Hero by Hildegard von Blingen and Whitney Avalon. I